Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Praise God. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'll share a little bit, and we'll receive our offering, and then we'll receive communion together. Galatians chapter 3. Reading from verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that is, non-Jews, or the nations is really what the word Gentile really means, nations, in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then go down to verse 29. And if you are Christ's, or you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, if you remember when John the Baptist was preaching, the Pharisees came, they were boasting about being Abraham's seed. And they, instead of getting a, yes, Abraham, they got rebuked. John the Baptist said, you know, you brood of vipers, actually. You're the seed of vipers. You think you call yourself the seed of Abraham. He says, God can raise up seed of Abraham or children of Abraham from these stones. And so pointing out to the stones, obviously, he was talking about their stony hearts. Because the Pharisees even though they were the physical offspring of Abraham, their hearts were hearts of stone because they didn't have the spirit of Abraham or the faith of Abraham because the spirit of Abraham or the faith of Abraham is the spirit of faith. Abraham had a spirit of faith. He believed God, and that was accounted to him for righteousness. So it's the righteousness That is of God, that is not self-righteousness. And so Jesus, again, looking to his disciples, said about the Pharisees, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, which was self-righteousness. And your love must exceed the love of Pharisees because Pharisees only love their own kind. Someone different comes along, they can't love them because they only love people that are just exactly like them. They They can't walk in love, unconditional love, towards people that are different. But the love of God loves the unlovable. Love of God loves those people that are different. So, and we are the seed of Abraham. So those who have the faith of Abraham, you read through the book of Galatians, are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Because the promise, the promise is tied to faith, not to the law. Because this is not righteousness that comes by the law, But this is righteousness that comes from God. It's not righteousness that is of works, but it's a righteousness that is a gift. It's not a righteousness that is earned. It is a righteousness that is imparted. It's given. Amen? So the righteousness of God, it comes through redemption. And the word redeem means to buy back, to purchase back. Jesus Christ paid the price, redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. Paying the price to redeem us from the curse of the law. Amen? And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we are the spiritual Israel. You have to understand that. The church, the New Testament church, is the spiritual Israel. The Old Testament church was the physical Israel. Actually, physical offsprings. That's why it could only be one nation. A nation that came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A physical nation. But the New Testament church is a spiritual nation. A holy nation. Amen. That's why we are all kings and priests under the new covenant. So we are the spiritual offspring of Abraham. We are the spiritual seed. God made a promise to Abraham, and it was a twofold promise. He said, your seed shall be like the sand 
the grains of sand, and then it shall be like the stars in the heavens. That's the two offspring. Sand, the natural. Stars, the spiritual. Old Testament church, natural Israel. New Testament church, spiritual Israel. Amen. So we are the fulfillment of that promise. We are the stars. I am not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. And most people here are Gentiles. Gentiles physically from other nations. Amen. But the gospel is to be preached in every nation. Because God also made a promise to Abraham, Galatians 3.8. In your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So then here comes the spiritual offspring of Abraham. We are the spiritual offspring. We are the spiritual Israel. Amen. You have to understand that. There's a problem in the modern day church. People get excited about natural Israel. They forget that they are the spiritual Israel. We are the spiritual Israel. Amen. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to the woman at the well. He, she said, you Jews, because remember she's a Samaritan. So she's really not a Jew. She's a hybrid. They don't really consider her a Jew. So she's a Samaritan at the well. She said to Jesus, you Jews say that we must all go worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, woman, the hour is near. A time is coming when you will not have to go to Jerusalem. But you will be able to worship God anywhere on the earth. Because the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. In spirit, being the spiritual Israel. And in truth, the truth of who we are in Christ under the new covenant. Having been redeemed, we are a redeemed people. Amen. The physical Israel had to redeem. Every male that at the age of 20 had to redeem his soul with a half shekel silver. That's where the whole tribute tax, the temple tax came from. So they had to pay for their redemption. The silver. Amen. And that silver was used as the foundation of the tabernacle. Every part of the tabernacle had to sit on silver because the silver was the only thing that could touch the earth. There was no gold that could touch the sand. Silver had to be the foundation. There was no gold touching the earth. Anything that was of gold had to sit on the foundation of silver. The gold represents God's glory. If you want God's glory in your life, it has to be on the foundation of redemption. And that's why the devil uses so much religion and tradition and confusion to get people to never understand what they have been redeemed from, who they are in Christ, what their rights are. Because to those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. So there's a right. You have rights of your covenant. Do you understand me? You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus having been made a curse for you and I so that we can receive the rights of this new covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant of blessing, amen, and the promise of the Holy Spirit, which is the infilling. That's what we're talking about, being filled and flooded with the divine nature, with the richest measure of the divine presence, and the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Physical Israel could not be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only filled a physical location in the temple. But when Jesus cried, it is finished, the veil was torn from top to bottom. And the Holy Spirit, the divine presence, what, which, what they refer to as the Shekinah glory, this glowing, blinding light, the unapproachable light that he lives in, departed. It was gone. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom and it opened up. And the priests were in shock. We are alive. We shouldn't be alive. We should be dead right now if something is wrong. You know what? Something had changed. Because no priest could see beyond the veil and live. It was only the high priest that could go beyond the veil once a year in the Day of Atonement with the blood of atonement and sprinkle it seven times on the mercy seat or actually the, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the throne of God, which was a 
throne of judgment, sprinkling with the blood, made it a mercy seat. Throne of grace, coming boldly to the throne of grace. It's all basically referring to what was in the temple. You understand me? So the blood of Christ has redeemed us from every curse of the law imaginable. Every curse of the law that has been outlined, we have been redeemed from. Because the price has been paid. The price of redemption has been paid. And there is no longer a physical temple to go to. There is no anointing on any physical temple. There is no presence on any physical temple. The presence is in you. You are the temple. Don't you know? That's why Paul says, don't you know that your bodies? It's a question he's asking. Don't you know that your bodies are temple? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and the temple of God. So you are now the temple. And that the richest measure of the divine presence dwells in you. You are the temple, or you're the tabernacle, the mobile tabernacle, moved around. Everywhere you go, the presence goes with you, because the presence is in you, because you have received what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Being filled with the richest measure of the divine presence. Awesome. So you have been redeemed. We have all been redeemed. If you are in Christ, that's what it says. If you are in Christ, those who belong to Christ, those who are in Christ are the spiritual offspring of Abraham. And they have been what? They are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are heirs of the kingdom according to the promise. And we are Abraham's seed, spiritual seed, spiritual children of Abraham, the stars in the sky, the innumerable stars in the sky. Shining with the light. There is no shine on a sand. On a grain of sand does not shine. Stars shine. Grains of sand from, were from the dust. Stars are from heaven. See, that's the difference. There's no glory in a grain of sand. Because it's not filled with light. And cannot even reflect any light. But stars reflect the light, and you reflect the light. We are bright, shining in darkness. So we are the spiritual offspring of Abraham. When you understand that, you don't get deceived with all the stuff that comes into the church trying to take us back under the old covenant. Craziness. There's a whole element that tries to keep taking the church back under the old covenant. We got to have people come out dressed like priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant around on their shoulders, marching around and just things like that, and then blowing shofars to bring the glory down and things like that. The glory is already in you. And first of all, you're not a Levitical priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. First of all, it's idolatry because it's not even the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, if I bring an Ark of the Covenant, I may use it as an illustration to teach from or something, show a picture, but you don't carry it around in the church. That thing, that's it's done away with. That's already done. It's finished. Jesus said it's finished. And the veil was torn from top to bottom. And Jesus even said, you see this temple? There will not be one stone left on top of another stone. It's all going to be torn down. And it was, just as he said it would be. Because that temple is done away with. But you know, they're going to rebuild it. Because in the end times, the Antichrist will stand in the middle of the temple, middle of the tribulation, and declare himself to be God. Yes. But I'm sure many Christians will probably be there. Sadly. Some Christians, maybe. I don't know. The ones that are left behind. I won't be here. I'll be gone. I'm not planning on staying for the tribulation. I'll be out of here. I'm being caught up. I'm being caught up. I'm going to go meet him in the clouds. I'm not planning on staying here on... On earth for the tribulation. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Hallelujah. Are you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? All three. Because there are many raptures, not one. So you have to take my eschatology class to learn about that. There are actually seven raptures in the Bible. There are already some raptures that took place already. Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. 
the church is going to be raptured. Then the tribulation saints are raptured. You know, so there are, there are multiple raptures, but these are the saints that are being caught up into the glory. And so it's wonderful because this is not our home. This is earthly. This earth is not our home. It's, I mean, you know what? You may see, I mean, you see the $100 million mansion, the most expensive mansion on the planet, $300 million, whatever palace, Buckingham Palace, this palace, that palace, this house. I mean, you see, you get up to heaven, you look at it, look, it's going to look like some slum house. It's going to look cheap. I'm like, ugh, yuck. What? You're looking, at, you're looking at some Ferrari. Oh, look at that chariot. You haven't seen chariot. You haven't seen heavenly chariots of fire. Huh? This stuff is cheap. Cheap. Even the most expensive, most valuable thing on earth is cheap compared, compared to the richest measure of his divine presence. The richest measure. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> In his, which translation is that worthless trash? <laughs> NCV. New Christian version or new, new century version. I think that's what it is. Worthless trash. <laughs> Counted as rubbish, worthless trash. That's what it is. Anything on this earth is worthless trash. And can you imagine people are chasing after worthless trash? And you think it's valuable, it's expensive. It's worthless trash. And self-righteousness is dirty rags, filthy rags. God calls self-righteousness filthy rags. People walk around thinking they're holy Pure because self-righteousness. And God says, filthy rags. Filthy rags. <laughs> but the righteousness of God is precious. It's precious. There's no price you can put on that. Hallelujah. So if we have been redeemed from the curse, what have, been, what have we been redeemed from? Well, you're going to have to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's very long. If you want a good laugh, read it. I laugh when I read the curses because I'm in Christ. It doesn't apply to me. But somebody that's not in Christ, they're probably going to cringe and start shaking in fear. But to me, it's a, I laugh when I read the curses. I find them funny because I'm not under that curse. And it's a lot. It's, it's pretty long. You can read it. But I'll summarize it for you. It's, a, it's threefold. The curses that are found in Deuteronomy 28 are threefold. Number one is poverty. Poverty is a curse. It's not a virtue. <laughs> poverty is a curse. It's not a virtue. Poverty is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Okay, poverty is not a sign of humility. It's false religious humility. And so, but this false doctrine has been introduced to the church to make Christians accept poverty because they can be humble and virtuous and self-righteous. Really, that's what it is. Poverty, if you boast about your poverty, it's self-righteousness. God says, if you're going to boast, you need to boast about Christ. You need to boast about the riches of Christ. You need to boast about his blessing that makes you rich. So when you boast about the goodness of God and the, the richest measure of the divine presence, amen, you do that out of humility. It's not arrogance or pride. It's confidence. It's self-assurance. It's the righteousness of God. Knowing that it's not of your righteousness. It's not righteousness of your works. So you're boasting about what he has made available for you. Amen. So poverty, if you boast about poverty, it's self-righteousness. It's religion. If you're going to boast, boast about his goodness. Boast about his blessing. Boast about his glorious riches. 
the inheritance that he has in the saints. Boast about that. Boast about, amen, boast about those things. Boast about your heavenly father's wealth. Amen. My daddy is wealthy. Hallelujah. Boast about that. Boast about him. So this whole thing about poverty, you know where it comes from. All these monks taking a vow of poverty in the medieval times. The whole, all the monks, the monastery movement, they went up, they, you know, because they felt, you know, the, the world was filthy. So we're going to separate ourselves from the filthy world. So we're going to go up and live in monasteries and up in mountains and caves. So they separated themselves because the, world, or, you know, the, the word of God says to separate. Not like that, though. Not physically separate yourself. Separate yourself spiritually and, and, and mentally. Touch not the unclean thing. But that doesn't, doesn't mean go separate yourself from the world. Now, now you take the light out of the world. Jesus said, don't go hide it under a bushel. But so they went hiding in these monasteries and they took these vows of poverty. Taking vows of poverty and vows of celibacy. And look at what you're dealing with. And, they, and the Catholic Church still does that. Taking a vow to be celibate and poor. Look at all this stuff that has been coming out and it's not nothing new it's been going on for centuries because man should not be alone even god said man should not be alone he he needs a helpmate amen so man should not be alone i don't want to be alone amen hallelujah and paul said a bishop should be a husband of one wife i have one wife thank you jesus Hallelujah. I have one wife. One more kiss coming. Oh. I have one wife. I'm happy. Do you understand me? But you need a, I need a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I found a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And amen. You can clap for that. And the husband should find a wife. He who finds a wife, not she who finds a husband. So stop looking for a husband. <laughs> these ladies come to church always looking for a husband and they find the wrong one because he who finds a wife finds a good thing so let him find you you find Jesus and then the right man will find you if you're close to Jesus the wrong man will stay away is this helping anybody here tonight? So don't go by how he looks or she looks. Looks can be very deceiving. How, how, you think you married an angel, you wake up in the morning, there's a demon lying next to you. So please, seek the Lord and he will add on to you. Hallelujah. You don't, you don't find a husband by wearing all those tight clothes and selfies with stuff sticking out. All Please, stop that right now. He'll find you, but you don't want him. He'll find you for something else, and you don't want him. Let him find you because of the purity of your heart and the hunger and the thirst you have for the things of God and the fire you carry, and then, then the right man will be drawn to you. The wrong man will be drawn to the other body parts. The right man will be drawn to your heart. The right man will be drawn to the call of God and the, the presence of God that's in you. And that's, that's important. And the same thing goes with the church. That's why I keep the fire burning in the church because it attracts the right people. The wrong people pushes them away. And you don't want those people. And what happens when you take the fire out of the church? You get all the wrong people. I, I remember. I remember the singles, the, the young adults meetings when I first got saved. You know, go to the young adults meetings. It was a total meat market. <laughs> it was a total meat market. I knew all my, my guy friends boozing up, sleeping around, whatever. And then when it comes time to get married, they, they, sh they go to church to look for the right girl. But you ain't the right guy. Oh, I got to get me a church girl, a keeper. 
You ain't no keeper yourself. Keep away. A lot of churches are like a meat market. A lot of these secret churches are like a big meat market. I'm serious right now. You need to be careful. They don't look, they're not who they seem, seem to be they are. They're not who, so that's why I tell them. I don't, I don't know how I got on this thing. Maybe somebody needs to hear this, but I tell the girls, you bring the guy, you put him right there in front of me, and I'll, in the Holy Ghost meeting for three hours, I'll look him, and then I'll find out if three hours later, if he's still there pressing in, then okay, he, okay, he may be. Okay. But if after five minutes, he's fidgeting, going to the toilet ten times, coming back, you don't want him. I'll stand in front of him and go, fire! And he's running out the door. You let him go. You let him run far from you. Bring the guy. Put him right there. Bring the girl. Put him right here. Put her right here in front of me. Amen. Put the fire of God and the fire of God breaks out. We'll find out if she's a keeper or not. (laughs) If he's a keeper or not. You know, that's the best test. The fire of God is the best test. So I had young people come to me, pastor, we think we like each other. Okay, let me put the fire, let me pray the fire of God now. Father, I put the fire of God on this relationship. Fire in Jesus' name. And a week later, all hell's breaking loose and they, they go off their own way. Okay. Week later, stronger, out there winning souls together. Okay, this may work. Because the fire of God will burn out that which is not of God. And same thing in your life. Keep, if you stay in the fire, the wrong relationships will stay away from you. And that's your protection, people. I'm telling you right now, that's your protection. Protect the fire of God, and the fire of God will protect you. The fire of God is going to keep the wrong people out of your life because they won't be able to get close to you when you're hot. If they want to be frozen, chosen, they're going to melt. They're not going to come around you. They'll go sit in the first church of the Frigidaire, you know. <laughs> hallelujah don't go to bedside baptist to find the guy you end up in some other mattress you know so amen so come on stay in the fire it's your protection and seek god seek his presence and then everything will line up you know i was not i was not looking for a wife I went to Turkey to start out in the ministry. The last thing on my mind, the last thing on my mind was even a wife. Last thing on my mind. I wasn't even thinking about it. And I was actually praying for an apartment. I needed a place to stay. <laughs> I got kicked out of my uncles, my aunts, my cousins, my friends. I ended up with my sweet grandmother. My sweet grandmother. Oh my Lord. My sweet grandmother turned into a bloodthirsty demon when I began to talk about Jesus. Ah! My sweet grandmother manifested like you would not believe. Almost chasing me around the house with a broomstick. You know. So I, she said, you're out of here Friday, Friday you're out of here. It's Thursday morning. I, I have no place to go. Thursday morning, I'm praying, God, I need an apartment. I need a place to stay. And I hear an audible voice. You will meet your wife. What? No. I, what, where am I gonna? Where am I gonna take her on a date? What under the under the uh, <laughs> under the bridge in a cardboard box or what? What, what? what are you talking about? You know, you gotta meet your wife. I have no place to stay. I have one suitcase, and my money is gone. I have no money left. You'll meet your wife. So it's like the, you know. That's the, that was the least of your worries, you know. And God spoke to me in an audible voice. It shook me. I started to weep. My grandma was watching. She thought I was weeping because I was, she was throwing me out of the house. She comes, don't cry. I may give you one more day, you know. I said, don't worry about it. And I didn't even pray for an apartment. Then in the afternoon, I get a call from somebody I, I met by a chance that there's a place you wanted hundred bucks a month, come and take it. And that was big money in Turkey. It still is big money in Turkey. 650, almost 700 lira is $100. And uh, so just to put it in perspective, 
Uh, most people live on 1,700 lira a month. So that's about half a salary, half a month's minimum wage. That's why everybody want to come to America. So you're blessed. If you have $100 in your pocket right now, you have somebody's half a month's salary. If you have $200 in your pocket right now, you have a full month's salary. You know. Go to Latvia. People live on 150 euro a month. Go to Nigeria. They live on $30 a month. So please, you are blessed. We are so blessed. We have no reason to complain. We have no reason to complain. We need to be thankful every day. Thank God. Kiss the ground you walk on. And people hate this country. They hate this country. You know who hates this country? The devil. Only the devil hates prosperity and the blessing and freedom. Only the devil will do that. Only the devil will want to bring socialism. And only idiots who don't understand will accept socialism. That's the problem now. You got 53% of millennials who want socialism because they don't know what they're talking about. Ship, ship them to, to Venezuela and see socialism. See, what, see how much they wanted then. No, because they've just been brainwashed by social media because they don't do any research. Free health care, free education. That's all they think. There's nothing free. Your salvation isn't free. Somebody had to pay for it. Jesus paid the price for it. Thank God. We have been redeemed from the curse. Socialism will only bring poverty. So I don't, I'm not for poverty. And God's not a socialist. He, doesn't take, he didn't take the, from the one that had the ten talents to give to the one who had the one talent who was lazy. He took the one talent away from the wicked lazy servant, gave it to the one with, who had the ten talent who had used his faith to multiply. So use your faith to multiply. What a great opportunity we have in this country that we can use our faith to multiply. We can use our faith to increase. We can use our faith to appropriate and apprehend the blessings of God and keep pressing forward for bigger and better things. Hallelujah. So poverty is a curse and it's not a, it, it's not a virtue. And don't believe the religious lie that to take a vow of poverty makes you humble. No. Second part of the curse, sickness and disease. We have been redeemed from sickness and disease. If you read through all the curses in Deuteronomy 28, all forms of sickness, disease, every infirmity, affliction, we have been redeemed from the, the curse of sickness and disease. Amen. So if you come under attack with poverty or sickness or disease, you need to just lay your hands on yourself. You need to begin to confess, no, absolutely not. Sickness and disease has no place in my life. Poverty has no place in my life. I have been redeemed from the curse of poverty. I have been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. And I dec decree and declare that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly pla places. I'm blessed from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in this city. I'm blessed in the country. Everything I lay hands on to is blessed. Blessed, amen, and God will open to me his heavenly treasure and pour out for me a surplus of prosperity. I'll be the head, not the tail. I'll be above only, not beneath. And whoever comes against me, my enemies shall be defeated before me, and they shall flee from me in seven directions. Amen. So you need to keep confessing that, and you need to keep refusing sickness and disease. You need to resist it. You need to resist poverty. You need to resist sickness and disease, and you must not allow it in your life. You must not allow the thoughts to come. And you must know that you are redeemed, and that's your right under the new covenant. It's your right as a believer. It's your right. It's your birthright. Are you born again? It's your birthright. Don't be like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Thinking of the belly. Focused on the natural. Amen. And he ended up in poverty. So you've been redeemed from sickness and disease. So if, you've been, if Jesus took our poverty, what did he give us? No answer? Come on, say it. It's not a curse word. You can say it in church. Prosperity. You can say it. I don't know if I should say it. Maybe prosperity. People are afraid to say it because of 
whatever the attack that comes or the excesses. No, say it. Dearly beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. So prosperity, if he took the poverty, he gave us what? Say it. Don't be ashamed of it. He took our poverty. What did he give us? Amen. Yeah, I mean, see, we're so afraid to say it. What will people think? Uh, well, let's, let me tone it down a little bit. I'll call it provision. No, no, provision is not prosperity. Prosperity is more than provision. Provision is just enough. Prosperity is more than enough. Hallelujah. So if Jesus redeemed you from the curse of poverty, what's the blessing? What did the blessing bring into your life? Prosperity! Are you one of them prosperity preachers? Yes. <laughs> well, no, I'm not one of them prosperity preachers. Just I preach provision. God's good. He's our heavenly father. No, man, come on. Why do you want to tone it down? That's why the enemy comes with that kind of stuff, to get us to tone it down. So, okay, so, so what? Um, okay, if he took our sickness and disease, what did he give us? Health and healing. Uh, okay, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. It's okay, I'll keep some headaches and toe aches, back aches. I won't take cancer and arthritis, but, I'll, you know, no. You don't want to keep any sickness and disease. Just the same way you don't want to keep any form of poverty. Let's not tone it down. Well, he heals some, he doesn't heal others. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, there's just, there's some people, he, there's some people he heals, you know. But I don't know if he will heal me. Yes, he will heal you. Lord, if it be thy will, it is my will, be thou clean. You know, so it is his will. So, I mean, who would like a little cancer? Not the kind that kills, but just makes you stuck to a bed for 20 years and tortures your inner, inner side and rips you to shreds, but st you can still kind of stay alive breathing from a machine. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. Somebody came up to me and said, I have a headache. I don't know. It's a small thing. I don't know if I should even ask for prayer. Absolutely. Be healed now. God's busy. I don't really want to bother him. It's just a headache. <laughs> no, not one drop of sickness or disease. You have been redeemed from the curse. That means sickness and disease is a curse, not a virtue to keep you humble. Again, you see the pattern? God gave me the sickness to teach me a lesson to keep me humble. No, he didn't. God has no sickness or disease to give. How can you give something you don't have? He's trying to teach me through it. That's like me saying to my daughter, come here, Gloria. Today I'm going to teach you not to play with fire. I'm going to blast the grill on high, the flames. Come here, sweetie. Today's lesson is not to play with fire. Bring me your hand. <laughs> ah! I, Daddy loves you. Don't play with fire. Daddy loves you. I'm like some psychopath. Tomorrow you'll learn about not playing with sharp knives. Next day's lesson will be not to play with electricity. Daddy loves you. We lock people like that up. Those pe people like that are locked up. So are we, because they're, they're child abusers. So are we accusing God of being a child abuser? The only one to be locked up is the devil. He's going to be locked up. He's loose now, but he's going to be locked up. Because he's a psychopath. He's a wicked, vicious thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Don't accept any of this nonsense. It's religious rubbish. Sickness and disease to keep you humble. 
It's like some kind of a virtue. Some people like being sick. I don't know why. I could never understand that. I guess because they get attention or something. No, we had to deal with this one girl. She was always sick. And she wasn't. She'd make up sicknesses. She'd make up stuff. Crazy girl. Crazy. We really tried to help her for years. She'd just make up stuff. Make up things. She'd get pictures of car accidents on the internet, found it fine, put it on her Facebook page. I was just in this taxi and I got in a car accident. Pray for me. And, and everybody calls her, how are you doing? And pe people go to her house just looking for attention. It's crazy, crazy stuff. We tried to get her delivered. Really tried. Didn't work. She wanted to be bound up. She liked being sick. Always come up with sickness. Invent stuff. Go on the internet. Search things I never heard of. I have this. What is that? <laughs> what, you going to grow a third ear now? What? <laughs> crazy stuff. People crazy. Why you want to curse yourself? <laughs> anybody ever met anybody like that no huh you heard about it. you met people like that always sick always sorry always depressed always looking for attention they don't yeah some people some people listen there was a guy i was going to pray for him to be healed. he said don't pray for me to be healed i get government aid no he I get disability. I don't want to be healed. I'm serious. Don't pray for me. I don't want to be healed. How much do you get? I get $800. God wants to give you $800,000. Huh. No, $800 is easy. I'll take that. Am I going to have to work for 800000 Probably he's going to have you to do something. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> what are we preparing people for? Crazy stuff. Third. Third part of the curse you've been redeemed from. Death and destruction. He redeems your life from death and destruction. He forgives all your iniquities. Heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit, from death and destruction. Amen. Spiritual death and any form of destruction. So if he has taken our death, what has he given us? Life. What kind of life? Eternal and abundant. Quantity, eternal. Quality, abundant. Some people, they've received the quantity of life, but they haven't received the quality of life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So, abundance is our portion. Abundance. Come on, lift your hand and say this. I have abundant life. Thank you, Lord. May your abundant life overflow in every area of my life. Hallelujah. Abundance. That's your portion. Abundance. Why settle for just enough when you have abundance? Amen. And having been redeemed from the curse of the law, it has brought into our lives the blessing of God, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of the father of many nations. Who is the father of many nations? Abraham. Okay. If Abraham under the old covenant was a physical Abraham and had physical offspring, who is Abraham under the new covenant? Our spiritual heavenly father who has spiritual children. So Abraham is a type of the heavenly father. So the blessing of Abraham is the blessing of the heavenly father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So Abraham is not just a man, it's the Father God himself. Not the Godfather, Father God. Hallelujah. 
We are his children. The blessing of the heavenly father, the father of many nations is upon us because we are the nations from every tribe, every tongue, every nation having been made prosperous, having been healed and made whole, walking and living in health, having received life eternal and abundant. All these blessings, all these blessings. See, the promise to the Old Testament church was all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, right? What does Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 say? We have been blessed with what? All these blessings. Blessed be the God and Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So who's doing the blessing? The Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. So it is the Father who has blessed us. It's the Father's blessing. And it's the Father's promise. Jesus talked about the Father's promise. The promise of the Father shall come. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. To fill us so we become the stars. Stars in the heavens that are shining in this dark world. The spiritual offspring of a God who is a spirit. Our spiritual heavenly Father. Amen? Is this helping anybody here tonight? It's basic stuff, but people don't understand these things. You know why? Because it's not preached. It's not taught. Instead, they're trying to take us back to the Old Testament. Back to bondage. It's like going back to Egypt. Can we go back to Egypt? No, we're not going back to Egypt. We left Egypt. We're not going back under the law. We're not going back under legalism. We're not going back under Old Testament types and shadows that have already been fulfilled. Amen. We don't need people dressed up like high priests walking around. I don't need to wear linen, linen white undergarments. Because the righteousness of God is my undergarment. Hallelujah. And I don't need to wear an ephod trying to look like some Old Testament prophet. Because I have the ephod of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because I have been endued or clothed with power from on high. You have been endued and clothed with power from on high. That's your clothing. So you are already a priest. And you don't need to dress like one. And call yourself a father. And you look like a mother. Is this helping anybody here tonight? You are a priest. You are already a royal priesthood, and you are royalty. That's what I don't get excited about so-called royal weddings. I already had a royal wedding. February 28, 1998 was the royal wedding. I found a good thing. We got married. That was a royal wedding. When did you guys get married? Good. you remember? Okay. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> I said it to one guy. He looked at me. Oh my gosh. His wife went, huh? <laughs> that was a royal wedding. Amen. And you met at church. Hallelujah. And that's a royal wedding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When did you guys get married? August 18th, 1990. That was a royal wedding, I must say. <laughs> royal wedding. That's a royal wedding. Because we are royalty. And you must carry yourself like royalty. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You have been redeemed from the curse. You've been made royalty, a royal priesthood, blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places by your heavenly Father, then those blessings include prosperity, provision, abundance, health, healing, strength, life. Amen. Sickness is a curse. Health is a blessing. Amen. I remember the very first time, Gloria, she's, I think she's only been sick one, one time that I can ever remember. We were actually on vacation, and I don't know what happened. She broke out with a fever. 
We were in, actually, we were in Cyprus. She broke out with a fever, and I had never seen her like this. She was, I think she was probably, I'd have to say she was probably six. My heart, I mean, it's like, Lord, kill me. You know, just like, let her live in all, you know, it's just like you see her little precious child there. She's just, and she's never, never hardly ever sick. You know, that was the only time it was like, look serious. You know, she had this fever. She's like, daddy, 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 and, and crying and, and like tormented. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like your heart breaks. Like you want her to be like instantly, immediately, like just like within a split second, be completely well and running or, you know. And I, I remember, you know, and, and I just said, Rose, you go. And um, I'm, I'm going to, because, you know, she, her heart was like, you know, she, was, she couldn't handle it, you know. I said, you go, you go, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this thing through. So I, I started praying. I started praying, confessing the word. I said, we're not coming out of this place. I mean, I, probably a good three hours. I mean, I'm fighting this thing, you know. And then we got a breakthrough. The fever broke. About an hour or two later, she's running around in the, you know, hotel's garden, whatever. But I mean, you know, that three hours seemed like three decades. How can we ever think that our Heavenly Father would want us suffering like that? We, being earthly fathers, don't want that for our children. How much more? His healing is instant. His provision is instant. He doesn't delay. Amen. He's always just in time. We got to just trust him. We got to trust him and believe in him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we have been redeemed from spiritual death, we have received his spiritual life. We have received his divine life. We have been made partakers of the divine nature, being born again. We have received God's blessing of life. It's a gift. Abundant life, eternal life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, say this after me. I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. My heavenly Father has blessed me with prosperity, healing, and health, abundant and eternal life. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.